0: Right behind me is the Brooklyn Public Library. It's one of the most massive structures uh, in downtown Brooklyn. We're right near downtown Brooklyn now. and They started construction of this building in 1912. And it would have never been finished unless Andrew Carnegie gave more than a million and a half dollars so that it would become a reality. And I used to come here as a kid all the time. In fact, my brother would bring me on the Flatbush Avenue bus And I used to come there when school ended in June. And he would make me get six or seven books to be read without fail during the summer. I have a brother six years older than me. And in collusion with my parents, they tried to ruin my summers. I wanted to just play basketball and stickball and every kind of game in the park and playground. But I had to read along with all of that sports. I'm glad they did it for me. A lot of memories in this building for me. There's all kinds of books in there. There are simple books, books for children, books about sports. There are some very technical books, books written by the most brilliant writers who ever lived. But there's one book in there that no matter what your IQ is, no matter how bright you are, you could never understand the meaning of this one book in there, and that's the Bible. There are Bibles in there, and the Bible can only be explained and understood if you're taught by the one who wrote it. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the only one who can help us to understand what the Bible really says Spirit of the living God fall fresh on me, break me Melt me, mold me, fill me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. I think we all need it every day, especially as we approach the Word of God. Spirit of God, come and teach me your Word. You know, a great example of that is an associate pastor on my staff. Happens also to be my son in law. I'm very proud of him, Pastor Brian Petrie. And he was on a spiritual pilgrimage just with a Bible. And the religious leaders who he kind of went to for help, they actually tried to lead him down the wrong road. But God the Holy Spirit was faithful to make Christ real through the scriptures so that he found salvation, and now he's a wonderful servant of God. I'm so proud of him. You'll enjoy his story.
1: Um, My mother had an affair when I was, well, I wasn't, yet, I was the result of the affair It's one of my dad's friends and uh, I'm the youngest of four kids. I grew up in a way where I felt there was something wrong. I felt like there was something that was off in me because I saw how my older dad loved my older brothers and sisters and that affected me in a really deep way because it wasn't the same with me. And so I tried to do everything that I could to uh, to kind of measure up, to please, to do things that would maybe get me a nod of approval or an expression of affection or love. Now all the while I, I grew up watching my mom in church. She was probably the most bold person in the church. I, I watched how she would uh, stand up in the middle of a service and raise her hands and sing when nobody else would sing and my mom went through a whole lot in the way that our family kind of disintegrated and I just figured that she needs it. It's a crutch. It'll get her through. I wouldn't sit with her anymore in church because I would get so embarrassed. But it always stood out to me like that she had this something that was beyond what I knew.
0: When I was a sophomore at Erasmus Hall High School in Brooklyn, New York, and by the way, that's the oldest high school in America. And when I went there, it was the largest high school in America, 2,100 students in my graduating class, 7,800 in the whole school. Well, in my sophomore year, I took plane geometry. And for the life of me, no matter what the teacher said, I could not figure it out. I didn't know an isosceles triangle from a bagel with cream cheese. I could not figure it out. About a month or two into the semester, uh, teacher got sick and was replaced by a new teacher and suddenly lo and behold the light went on I understood triangles and angles and parabolas and all that other stuff and it was like the light just went on and it, I had to credit it to the teacher the way this new teacher came at the at the subject the way she explained it met something in my mind so that understanding followed Now, when the disciples were here on earth 2,000 years ago, their teacher was Jesus Christ. In fact, they called him teacher or rabbi. They were known as having Jesus of Nazareth as their teacher slash rabbi. And before Jesus left them, he made some specific promises about another teacher who would help them. And I know you won't believe this, this teacher would be better than him. He talked about the Holy Spirit coming, and he called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. He will lead you into all truth, he says in John. In another place, he says, and he, notice he, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things. Now, what's involved here is more than just the inspiration of scriptures. We know that the Holy Spirit moved upon men who wrote the Holy Scriptures, which is our only rule of faith. But when we read it, who's the teacher that's going to make us understand it? Because there's no nothing else in the world like this book. This is my favorite book. It should be everyone's who's a Christian. This is the word of the living God. And although there are many different kinds of literature within the Bible, the lessons and truth that God wants to convey to us can only be understood with a teacher's help. And who is that teacher? The Holy Spirit. Now, most of us living in 21st century with great confidence in our mental abilities, we just pick it up and read it like the New York Times or Time magazine. We just kind of roll on and we're reading. And we're going to understand this because, hey, I have a fairly high IQ and I went to school and maybe I have a degree from a university And if you take that approach, you'll never understand the scriptures. Oh, you might understand the shell of it. You might get some facts, uh, the subject, the verb, the object. You might understand some sketchy truths. But the real teaching of it that will change your life, the truth that God wants to get into your heart, the revelation of it, the revealing of it, so that your life will be different. Now, that only happens by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I have found so many times that I catch myself reading the Bible and I'm not getting it. Does that ever happen to you? I mean, I'm getting it. I read it before. I understand the subject, the verb, the object, but I'm not getting it. It's not getting into my heart. It's not God speaking to me. It's just, I'm doing devotions. And there's nothing deadlier than just reading the Bible to do devotions. And that's why God sent the Holy Spirit. Notice, he's a better teacher than Jesus, because Jesus taught with his voice, went in their ear. But you know all the problems the disciples had like us. They didn't get it a lot of the times. But when the Holy Spirit came, he teaches us from the inside, He takes the word that he inspired and no one can explain it like he can. And he makes it real to the inner person so that, well, listen, hasn't that ever happened to you? Have you ever read a verse that you've read like 20 times and then you're reading it and you go, whoa, wow, it means that, like a light goes on, a bulb goes on in your heart and you start to see it and appreciate it in a new way. What happened then? Well, it was the Holy Spirit making God's word real to us. Now, although we need teachers, Bible teachers are so important. Never, we should never forsake the assembling of ourselves because coming together and being taught the word of God is is all important. But we mustn't forget the teaching that we find in 1 John, where John the apostle says, now, you have an anointing, speaking of the Holy Spirit, you have an anointing that teaches you all things You don't have a need for anyone to teach you, for that anointing teaches you all things. And of course, it would have to be that way. It's possible for a simple Christian who's five years in the Lord, in the mountains of Peru, a country I love that I visited so many times, it's possible for them to know more about God, not merely about him, but to really know him and his word, to know more than a theologian with a PhD. Because it's all a matter of the revelation of the Holy Spirit, God teaching a humble, simple, childlike heart, what this word really means. The spiritual kernel of it, inside the the shell, what it really was written uh, to mean to our hearts so that Christ can be more glorified in our lives. And many times when we merely approach the Bible with our minds, we can fall into a terrible trap of thinking we know the Bible, but our hearts being unchanged because there's no spiritual teaching. Go back with me to the 1840s, 1850s. Well, it was even before that. But let's pick the 1840s and 50s in our country down in the south, southern part of America. Slavery was going on. The peculiar institution of slavery was now mounting an uproar in the country, the abolitionists against the slaveholders. And do you realize that there were Bible thumpers, preachers in fundamentalist churches were pounding the Bible, defending slavery, using the scriptures to enslave Tens of thousands of human beings that God created and that he sent Christ to die for and that and, and to propagate this horrible thing of separating a man from his wife, children from their parents, siblings, torn apart at slave auctions. And there were ministers, not the ungodly, not the atheists. There were ministers using the scriptures to justify that. That's an example of the Pharisees who quoted the Bible while they were planning the murder of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Oh, listen, reading the Bible without the teaching of the Holy Spirit, without that tenderizing revelation of God's Spirit making the Word real to us and humbling us as He teaches us. If we don't have that, we can produce monstrous kinds of pseudo Christians who use the Word of God to actually propagate evil behavior. And Jesus was a victim of that. In the name of Scripture, they crucified the King of Glory.
1: I guess it reached a kind of a crescendo in my life because I ended up going to my mom when I was a senior in high school. My friends were starting to, they studied in school. I can't say I studied a whole lot. I kind of played around more than I should have. And I had friends that were going here and friends that were going there. And I kind of went to my mother going, I don't know where this is going to lead. And she, she said, you know what, Brian, God has a plan for your life. And if you'll just start to trust him for it, you'll give him the opportunity for him to show himself to you. So as I sat there and I started to reflect on all of it, I, I, for the first time in my life, I kind of opened my heart to God. Actually, it was more of a challenge than anything else. And I said, if you're really there and you really care about me. And you, you have this plan like my mom talks about, and you're, you really want to show yourself to me. Well, here I am. Prove it. Show yourself. And then I got upset because I thought, now you're losing your mind. Now you're talking to yourself. Nobody's talking back to you. Kind of threw my hands down and walked away. A couple days later, I ran into a man in my hometown, wealthy guy, friend of my, was a friend of mine growing up. as his grandfather. And he approached me on the street and said, Brian, what are you doing with your life? You're getting ready to graduate high school. What's going on? I used it as an opportunity to vent. I used it as an opportunity to tell him how wrong everything was and how my life had no meaning and purpose. <laughs> i unloaded on this guy. And he said to me, son, I've got a solution for you. I said, I'm all ears. He said, it sounds like you need a little discipline. I said, I definitely need some discipline. <laughs> he said, I've got, I've got a solution for you. I went to a military school, military college. He said, I'll send you there. I said, what do you mean you'll send me there? He goes, I'll, I'll pay for your way. And I went, what do you mean you'll pay for my way? Now, I didn't know this man. I knew who he was. He was a friend of my, or a grandfather of my friend, but I'd never talked to him before. And when he said, I'll pay your way. I said, I don't think I can get in. I don't study hard enough. I don't think my grades are what they need to be. He goes, I'm on the board of directors. If I say you go, you go. Do you want to go? And if you like it, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for the rest of your college. Now, in the moment... I can't say I ever felt like God intervened in my circumstance, but that moment I pulled back and kind of in a surreal moment went, I challenge you, and within 48 hours you bring this man into my life, I was like, you're real. So that gave me a little hope, that gave me, it was like God revealing himself in a way that allowed me to see he could intervene, didn't change my life in the moment, I still carried on and still was as ridiculous and out of control as I was before. But right before I went to school, and he tried to get me to go to visit the school, he goes, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. It was all-male military school where it was at the other end of the spectrum where I was. was squared away, disciplined. I was, didn't care about anything and just wanted to have a good time. He said, you need to know what you're biting off here. I said, I don't want to know about it. If I know, I won't go. I think this is what I'm supposed to do, so I'm just going to do it. Well, the night before I left, my mother, she hands me a Bible, and it was the message. I hadn't been out for too long. It was in language I got. And when she gave it to me, I went, what is this? She said, it's the Bible. I want you to read it. And I'm like, I'm never going to read this. This is ridiculous. Take it back. Get your money back. You just wasted your money. And she said, I want you to take this with you. I don't want you to just leave it. Take it with you. Uh, There's going to become a point at some time in your life where you're going to need God to help you. And you're going to have to open up your heart. I don't know how he's going to get you to that place, but he's going to get you there. And when you get there... You're going to find what you've been looking for in here. I was like, whatever, I don't even care. I'll just take it.
0: Just stop talking. There's a great danger, as we've been saying, about reading the Scriptures without the teaching of the Holy Spirit. And i like to read to you a portion of Scripture which reminds us that every time we open the Bible... We've got to stop and pray, whether it's for 15 seconds, a minute or five minutes. We've got to say, as Psalm 119 says over and over again, Lord, open my eyes. Teach me things from your word. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Now, that was a psalmist who was writing scripture. And yet his prayer to God was, God, even though I have, let's say, the law of Moses, and maybe he had memorized a lot of it. It ends up being nothing unless the Holy Spirit, God himself, comes and teaches us, opens up our eyes so we can understand. If that isn't the case and we don't get help from the Holy Spirit, we can fall into the terrible habit of reading Scripture just to justify what we already believe. I know all kinds of folks, They, when they read the Bible, it's, God, do a new thing, but I'm not changing anything, I believe. That's a very odd prayer, isn't it? when we should come like children to the word of God. And what they come to the Bible for is to find more ammunition for what they already believe. And if any verse troubles them or doesn't fit into what they're so convinced of, they just kind of discard it. That's not the way to read the Bible. We have to come like children so that God can teach us. The danger of this all is that's lurking in the background is this just monumental verse found in John chapter 5. Listen to it. Jesus says to them, you diligently, this is to the religious leaders, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Now, isn't that something for us to ponder? Oh, how we need the Holy Spirit to help us avoid the trap of the religious leaders of Jesus' day. You diligently study the scriptures. You study them, study them just to back up your prejudices that you already have. You study them and they speak of me, but you're so blind that you don't see it and you won't come to me. Can you imagine the people who knew most about the Bible in Christ's day had the son of the living God five feet in front of them and didn't know him, but they knew the scriptures. Does that not remind us how much we need the teaching of the Holy Spirit? We need to let go of everything we've learned, the traditions that we've learned from men, and that's the problem. A lot of times we identify truth not by what we're taught by the Holy Spirit through Scripture, but we identify it with what we saw growing up in church. Oh, that's what preaching is. That's what prayer is. That's what worship is. What is it? It's what I saw growing up in church. And that's not where the way we're supposed to define our terms uh, when it comes to Bible truth. We're supposed to search the Scriptures, and we're supposed to ask for the Help of the Holy Spirit so that we can understand what God intended church to be, what God intended Christianity to be, the importance of love, the power of prayer. All of these things will never come real to us unless we humble ourselves and say, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Did you ever sing that song? We sing it all the time here in our church. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me.
1: So I go to school, like the gentleman told me, it was so different than anything I could have imagined. It was, it was a bit of a nightmare. It was a total shock to my system, having people in your face, shave my head the first 10 minutes of being there. I, it, was, it, was, it was crazy. I was too proud to quit, but I didn't know how to go on. So as I'm trying to figure out, how am I at least gonna make it until Christmas? I can't go home shamed in, a, in the halfway through the semester. So I was trying to think of anything I could and then, The Bible that my mom gave me kind of came back, and I thought, well, I'll try anything at this point. I I can't fail. So I went downstairs, picked up the Bible, opened it up, and I started to read in it. And as I read through the pages, I got this picture, this understanding, I have to say came from God, of who Jesus was, what His mission was. What It was Him coming in a personal way to help me with the brokenness of my own life. So. As it relates to the church that I grew up in, I kind of started to feel a little isolated. Then with my friends, I started to try to share what God was doing in my life, and they kind of backed off and went, okay, I think He's flipped out. Uh, My mother understood, and she would encourage me, and stay in the Word, God's going to be faithful to you. Uh, At school for four years, I have to say, God put me in a place where it was really me and God just showing me the Spirit of God, teaching me and leading me. And that was a good thing, being isolated in that way. It got me grounded in the Word. It got me um, to a, a, probably a much more mature place than, than maybe a different road. But as I, I, as I started to even go forward from there, and as I started to try to understand what God's plan was, um, I continued to keep my heart open to God, and I continued to just depend upon Him. And as I did that, He started to bring people into my life that could speak into my life and kind of show me not just how you have a relationship with God, but show me how things work as far as it relates to ministry and, and how God works. You know, in retrospect, looking back, I think that the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives when we get to the end of ourselves. Now, at the time, I don't think that I necessarily felt like I was getting to the end of myself. I was desperate for reasons that... Uh, maybe weren't, you know, God, I, I need you. I'm totally desperate for you. I was just trying to survive the moment that I was in, and I was desperate to grab a hold of anything that God would give me. And in that position, I think, you get uh, God's response. When God's Spirit's moving throughout the earth. One of my favorite scriptures is in the Old Testament. It comes from 2 Chronicles, the 16th chapter, the 9th verse. And it says, God's eyes, they range to and fro throughout the earth, looking to strengthen the person that would bend their heart toward God. And if I look back on my experience, I was at a place where I wasn't just bending. I, I, was, I was beyond bent. I was broken. I was, God helped me. And in that place, God started to, to respond as he does with everybody. You get to the place of desperation, that's where God comes in. And as you live, as I started to grow and do my thing, as I started to try to uh, just live what I thought being a Christian was, I think slowly God was showing me, you can't do, like Jesus said, you can't do one thing apart from me. He said the greatest in the kingdom is the one most like the kid. And even though I was 18 years old, I wasn't a kid anymore, but I certainly wasn't an adult. I probably thought I was farther down the road than I was. But it took God breaking me and getting me back to a place of dependency even to this day I'm 40 years old and and I think I'm far more dependent now than I I was at 18 when I first became a Christian and in hindsight I think slowly as I started to look to God's word and I I started to realize my need and live in the the dependence that the spirit of God's trying to teach us to live in that's where God was able to come in and really help me and begin to do those things in greater ways of leading me in the direction I should go of teaching me the things that he needed me to know and, and showing me that I, I, I don't know apart from him. I can't find my way without him.
0: Let's take one last verse on this subject and make it ours today. Let's ask God to help us uh, learn this in the deepest sense of the word. Get it into our hearts. It's a powerful passage found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Where it says about we Christians, we have not received the spirit of the world, the cleverness and the wisdom of this world. That's not how we how we operate. But the spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, who is from God, why? That we may understand what God has freely given us. I counsel people every month. I preach to people every day, it seems, of the year that are racing backwards in their Christian walk because they don't know what God has promised to do for them. They don't know what's available in terms of the grace of God and the provision that we have in Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that God has given us the Holy Spirit so that we may know that's that inner teaching of the Holy Spirit that we may really know and experience the things that are freely given us by God it wouldn't be terrible to see a guy die in a desert and he's just 50 yards away from the water that would save his life. But he was so lost and befuddled, he couldn't find the water. The Holy Spirit was sent so that we don't go off down the wrong road and end up in dry and barren places. He wants to guide us and make real to us all the things of Christ, which God has freely given us. Listen, after God gave us his son, how much more will he give us everything we need today? Oh, Holy Spirit, come and show us the greatness of our heritage that we have in Jesus Christ.
2: Good stuff there. <clears throat> Somebody go ahead and, let's see, start a here to my left. Terry, why don't you go ahead and read that first set of scriptures there. John chapter 16, verse 12 through 14.
3: There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me.
2: So the Holy Spirit, if you were to send the Holy Spirit a text message today, you had one question, you want to ask one question about the book that he inspired, the Bible, what would that question be? there's no wrong answers here this is what question would you have everybody talk at the same time question is if you if you were to send the Holy Spirit a text message about the Bible what one question would you want to ask him today about the Bible, about the Bible yeah I mean, I know there's thousands of questions, but what what's one question you'd want to ask him today? Nobody has a question for the Holy Spirit. We are so unspiritual here. One has got one now already in her head. I can see it right now. <laughs> there's a. There's a Y'all can speak up. Like I said, there's no wrong questions here. <laughs> safe place to, a safe place to, to ask the question. And don't make it, listen, it's not one of the things when you get in a Bible study, you're like, man, I'm gonna look dumb if I ask this question or if I say something. No. I'm gonna look stupid. No, you're not. No, you're not. That's not what we do here, okay? We're not here to prove somebody's smarter than somebody else. We're here to study. So
3: Um, sometimes, like, you know, like the people that hated God, I feel like, I don't know if they felt bad for him the day that he was going to put himself in the cross. I don't know if they were like, wait, no, stop it, you know, or they were just like, go ahead and just do it.
2: Okay. So your question be summed up, Holy Spirit, could you tell me if, uh, if the bad guys felt bad when... When they when Jesus went on the cross, that's that's a good question. I like that. Somebody else. Holy Spirit or God? I mean, who am I addressing? Well, we're addressing the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit inspired the. I mean, they're all three in one: Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we're we're addressing the Holy I'm Spirit. What's what's taking so long? What's taking so long for for him to come back? For him to come back? That's a great question. A lot of people got that question. I love that question. I see some good questions. All right, now we got some people going. What's some other questions? Yeah, Jamie.
4: Mine was just kind of why it had to happen that way. Like, why did, mm. you know, Christ have to die on the cross?
2: That's very good. I like that question. It's a good question. Because we go, man, he's innocent. Why should he have to die? Yeah. Good question. Somebody else. Come on now. we still got a few people here that could ask a question. The Holy Spirit.
4: didn't say Come
2: on. So we've had some good questions. If nobody else is going to answer, we're not going to spend all night waiting on y'all. Holy Spirit to be like, well, I guess they didn't want to talk to me. They didn't send me a text. <laughs> so, so these these are good questions. Now let's talk about. Did you have something? Or are you just holding it in the microphone? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead.
4: Probably the first question. Put it up close to your. The first question I will text message to the Holy Spirit would be, um, "What else do you have for me?"
2: Okay. Yeah. What's the Bible? What What's in the Bible to tell me? What What can I learn? What more can I learn that you have for me? That's a good one. Um, what 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 difference? is there between a good teacher and an okay teacher a, a good teacher a one that's like man that's a good teacher and they're okay what's the difference between that what do you get some what do you got the difference
5: between a okay teacher and a good teacher is yep. the teacher teaches based on how they live as well they don't just teach but they live what they're
2: teaching they believe what they're teaching they right that's yeah what you they live what they teach. Also, another thing they do is they understand what they're teaching, right? And they find ways. Remember Jim, Pastor Jim said, he said he couldn't learn geometry, plain geometry, until this other teacher came in and taught it in a different way. You know, yes, Sherelle? I, I forgot. So, that's, that's okay. So, He's talking about this This teacher comes in. You know, one of the things that, that I've told people for years about homeschooling, one of the great things about homeschooling is, is that you don't have one teacher teaching 30 and 40 students one way, but instead you have a teacher that is teaching whatever best way that person needs to learn. So, for instance, I was a person, you give me a book, I would read it, I would study it, I would learn. You didn't have to stand in front of me and teach me. My brother was a different type of a person. He had a hard time learning to spell and write and put words together, right? Sitting down and using a pen and paper didn't work for him. So my mom, when he was young, when he was a child, took him outside and they would get in the sand in the driveway and she would write with him in the sand and it worked for him. It interested him and it helped him to learn. So there's... You know, there's different ways. If you look out there today, there's so many different ways to learn math. There's so many different ways to learn other subjects, other than one. Why? Because we're all different. God has made different personalities, different learning styles, and 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 so they're different. You know, that's that. When we talk about a different teacher, there Jesus was a teacher, right? He was a great teacher. People were hung, hanging out with him all the time. Now, what's funny is a lot of them were hanging out with him because they he was like, you know, turning you know, water to wine. And he was, you know, taking a couple of fish and some bread and feeding 5,000 people. And he was doing miracles. And so a lot of them were hanging out with him just because of that. But the disciples were hanging out with him for far more than the miracles and stuff they were learning. And there was other people doing the same thing. But when Jesus left, a better teacher came, a better teacher. Why would we say, why would I tell you that the Holy Spirit is a better teacher than Jesus. Why do you think that I could make that statement? If You say, well, listen, they're all three in one. Why is the Holy Spirit a better teacher?
5: Because the the Holy Spirit is within you, and he can lead and guide you.
2: That's right. When we, to help you not to be too confused, in the United States we use a term. I don't know if they use this in Mexico. Ask Jesus to come into your heart, okay? It's not that Jesus comes into our heart. It's that we surrender our life to Jesus. Now, there's nothing wrong with that statement, okay? But it's the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, okay? Jesus, Jesus was in a human form. He was on the outside. And when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, he then lived inside, and he's able to, to help us to understand the thoughts. The other thing is, Jesus, being in human form, can only be in one place at one time. He was a little restricted. But the Holy Spirit is not restricted to any time, place, or matter, right? He can move in and out anywhere he needs to. And the Scripture says that when we're saved, that we receive the Spirit of God in us. We receive Him in us. And that Spirit, what does the Scripture say, guides us into what? all truth. The Spirit guides us into all truth. Now, when, when we're listening to Jim talk about this, how many of you ever opened the Bible up and read the Bible and go, I should, might as well just been reading the stock market page on the newspaper because I didn't get nothing about what I just read. I don't understand anything. Sometimes you may go days where you feel that way, right? It's like, what's going on here? That is one of the reasons that Because the Holy Spirit inspired it, the Holy Spirit can tell us when He's living inside of us, and even when He's not living inside of us. There have been people, the Gideon Bible is a great example, people who have been in a motel room and pulled out a Gideon Bible, didn't know Christ, was traveling, maybe from another country, pulled out the Gideon Bible, began to read it, and before you know it, they're asking Jesus to come and save their life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit did that. The Holy Spirit spoke and, and helped them understand what they were reading in the Scripture. Um, there was a, a, another person had a dream. And, it, and in the dream, the, the person he saw in the dream says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it went through. And then he didn't know what it meant. And then he goes into church, and the preacher's preaching, and begins to read 1 John, or read John chapter 1, not 1 John, but John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, exactly what he'd heard in his dream. Never been in church in his life, never understood that it was the Holy Spirit speaking to him in a dream, the exact words that were were coming out of the Bible. Why? Because the, the Bible is inspired, the inspired Word of God, and the Holy Spirit has done that. And and when we read, we want to look at the Bible in a different way because and I think it's a little easier today to get a little off kilter because we have the Bible on everything, right? In other countries, there's a high respect for the Bible amongst Christians in China, North Korea, those places, because you don't have access to the Bible like we have access to the Bible, okay? Bible apps and you know what 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 it used to be. I don't know what it is today, but it used to be the average household in America had two Bibles in it. You know, where in China they're passing pages around, and they're memorizing pages. And then you know another thing they in, in in the jails, like in China, they'll they will inscribe scripture on the wall. They'll get a little piece of sliver of paper and they'll inscribe that. And they'll scrape that onto the wall, and they'll memorize that scripture and. They pass the scripture down to the next person in the next cell where they can read it. These Christians do. So they can do that. So there's a different respect for the Bible than we have today. The more of something you have, the less you respect it. You know, when you're when you're at the bottom, money means a whole lot, right? But if you're I'm not being political, I'm just using this example. But if you're Michael Bloomberg, who has $55 billion he can throw down $500 million on a presidential campaign and be like, eh, no big deal. And we're like, I will make $500 million in my life, much less spend $500 million, right? I'm not going to live long enough to do that probably unless the Lord just does something uh, miraculous in that area. And so when we open up the Bible or our Bible app, we need to stop and think and say, wait a minute, what is this that I'm reading? How important is Is what I'm reading? Is it just another book? Is it just, you know, another Stephen King novel? Is it just another John Grissom novel? Or is this something that is special? Because we know, right? If you read a John Grissom novel, it may be very interesting, right? There's there's a lawyer in this and that, you know. I'm thinking the Pelican Brief that I read, you know, when I was a teenager, you know, and you go through and go, man, it's a really cool book, but it's all imaginary. There's nothing real about it. How do we look at the Bible when we open it up? Do we look at it as This isn't imaginary, but this is the word of God on written paper that I get to read and ingest into my mind and into my heart at the same time. And so as we go into it, as Jim Simula was saying, we need to pray even before we start, even if it's 15 seconds, 10, 15 seconds, Lord, open my eyes, open my heart, open my mind to receive what you want me to receive from this. And it'd be amazing you're gonna be amazed at what you're gonna what you're gonna realize. All right. Sachs, you're next. First John two, twenty six through twenty seven.
4: I am writing this word. I'm sorry, I'm writing these things to warn to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and He lives within you. So you so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true for the spirit for the spirit teaches you everything you need to know and what he teaches is true it's not a lie you just has a thought you remained in fellowship with Christ
2: okay i don't want us to misrepresent this scripture it's not that we don't need teachers of uh, that have studied the scripture okay What we need, though, is we need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to us. I I say this a lot. I can preach a message to you, but it's up to you to listen to the Holy Spirit. And if there's questions, I'm more than willing for you to come and say, hey, you know what? You said this right here, but the Bible says this. Why? Because that's opposite of what the Bible says. Now, it may be that I have to correct myself, say, you know what? You're right. I was wrong on that because the Bible does say that. Or it may be, I said, well, let's look at the context of the Scripture that you're reading and let's look at other Scriptures. We know politicians do this all the time, right? They take a Scripture out of context to make you feel bad about yourself or whatever, you know. They'll say, oh, well, the, the poor, you know, and you're supposed to do this, that, and the other. And they take this Scripture out of context that that you're supposed to feed everybody and clothe everybody and everything else, and that's not what the Scripture means at that point. So we, and it can even be worse. We've seen pastors who take it so far out of context that they get women to do things that they shouldn't be doing right in the church or they control. We see some churches that have a very controlling spirit about them and they go, but the Bible says women you're supposed to submit and you're not supposed to talk in the church and this and that and the other. It's like, well, wait a minute, but they use it even though that's not accurate but they use it to their gain. So what we want to do is we want to ask the Holy Spirit, is this true? The second thing is, what about when we read it on our own? Holy Spirit, reveal the truth to me. So as I'm reading this, not so I can go, oh, I know everything. No, so I can live a life that is pleasing to you in the way that you want me to to lead that life. We don't want to just, he said this, we don't want to reinforce our prejudices. Have you ever... Known somebody, because I'm sure nobody in here ever done this. You ever known somebody looks up a scripture to prove their point? Not to prove God's point, to prove their point, right? You know, every woman should have long hair because the Bible says long hair is the, the, the hair is the glory of the woman. And so therefore you should have long hair. Well, why, why, you know? All the women in here have long hair, well, except for Juanita. <laughs> You say they didn't preach that. They don't preach that in African-American churches, right? (laughs) But, you know, you probably have heard somebody, you know somebody, that they do that because they want to, that they're not wanting to do it with the love of the Holy Spirit. They're doing it because they want to, to bash you over the head or they want to force you to be a certain way, you know, that you should, yeah. Control. That's the word, control. Exactly right. But we need the Holy Spirit teaching us. Now, I say this a lot of times. Tradition is not always bad, but but tradition is not always good. So, traditionally, let's give an example. Traditionally, the church, we do communion. Now, our church, we do ours first Sunday of the month. Some churches do it every Sunday. Some churches do it once a year, you know. So, What's the tradition? The tradition is communion itself, all right? That's not a bad thing. That's a good tradition. Now, there's other churches whose tradition is an organ and a piano only. Now, that doesn't have to be bad until you tell somebody else the only thing you can have in your church is an organ and a piano. Now you're letting tradition trump truth, right? It's okay to have some of that that tradition. Um, All right. Read John chapter 5, verse 39 through
3: 40. Elise, you search the scripture because you think they gave you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Is
2: this the same thing? No? Yep, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So when we we're talking about tradition here, we talk about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had their way of doing things. And instead of searching the, the scriptures to find out what the truth was, who Jesus was, instead what did they do? They're just trying to find scriptures that says I can kill this guy. Right? That's all they were trying to do. And so that's the point. That's the point I was I was driving at there. In in um in this video, Pastor Jim Simbla talked about a song, and it's Spirit of the Living God. Fall fresh on me, Spirit of the Living God, fall fresh on me. Now, I'm not going to sing the rest of it, but what do you think that song means? Why would you sing that song? What does that mean? Spirit of God, fall fresh on me. Me to be more like you. That's good. Notice a few things in this in this ver- first of this song. Number one, you say spirit, but not just any spirit. you do know there's other spirits out there right? This is a fact Jesus dealt with them. they're out there. There is a supernatural unseen realm that we're, we we don't see unless the Holy Spirit reveals that to us at times. So number one it says Spirit of the Living God. So Spirit of Spirit of the Living God. Now it says fall. Rain falls, right? Rain falls down. But it says fall fresh on me. That means if something's fresh, when you pick, when you pick tomatoes today, are they fresh a week from now? No. They're tomatoes and they may be edible. But they're not fresh. And then if you wait a month from now, are they fresh? They're probably not even edible at that point, right? Yeah, exactly. And so when we are, when we are talking to the Holy Spirit, we may receive something from the Holy Spirit on a Sunday morning. And we go, well, I'm good for the rest of the week. And then by Thursday, we're cussing somebody out. We're like, what just happened? Or maybe we're not thinking about it until we walk in on Sunday morning again. Why? Because we haven't, we're not saying daily, fall fresh on me. I need, I need a fresh anointing of you on me. You know, you see people when they first come to Christ, they're excited. They want to tell everybody about Jesus, right? They want to tell everybody about what God's done in their life. But then something changes. Maybe it's a year later, maybe it's six months later, a month later, five years later. But, but many of them lose that excitement. Why? Because they live on that one point of their life, and the further they get away from it, it becomes a distant memory. But when we say every day, Lord, fall fresh on me, fall fresh. When I'm reading your word, fall fresh on me, anoint my ears and my my heart and my mind and my eyes. Do that for me because I want to learn. I want to get everything I have that you can give me. Jesus said, Jesus said, I want to do when I leave and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, he's going to do more and you're going to be able to do more than what you've seen me do. And Jesus did all kinds of stuff. As I was almost saying all kinds of crazy stuff, but, you know, it wasn't crazy. But Jesus Jesus did a lot of great things when he was here on this earth. But he says these things, his, his word says these things that I have done and more will you do. But we can only do that if we're saying follow me, Holy Spirit. Follow me, fresh on me, Holy Spirit. <clears throat> have you, when you have read a passage of Scripture, maybe you've read it, we talked just a little bit about this earlier, but maybe you've read it 15 times. And then all of a sudden, number 16 or number 21, all of a sudden it opens up. Why do you think that happens? What do you think, it's, what do you think has happened at that point?
3: When you said, "What was the question?" Like I'm saying, are you saying that the scripture you read from a while back and it comes back to you?
2: No, maybe you've read it. You're like you're reading your 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 devotionals, your daily Bible reading. Like we read our daily Bible reading, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, I've read that seven times!" And boom, oh my goodness, what just happened? I, I didn't understand that. What what what's what's happened? What were you going to say? Go ahead.
4: Yeah, I mean, um, of course, I think that's the, the revealing, the revelation. It comes to the understanding of what this means for you.
2: And and and, but where do we get that revelation from? Yeah, of course, the uh, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That's right. So the Holy Spirit. You had something. Well, I think it
5: comes from us. Um, you know we've opened our hearts to the holy spirit the spirit can only speak to your spirit he doesn't speak to the, to the flesh that's right so
2: yeah the spirit is the spirit is is you know, different than so
5: surrender to listen
2: mhm mm-hmm. yeah we,
5: i also think
3: that it's kind of like the holy spirit pointing out that one scripture out of the chapter or something or the chapter out of the book you know.
2: that's right so we can we can and sometimes it's It's the Holy Spirit that does it, but sometimes he didn't need to reveal it to us until right then. Right time for everything. There's a right time for everything. Yeah, the season that we're in. Jesus, remember he was speaking in parables to people? You remember what he said? I think we talked about this last week. Remember what he said about speaking in parables is like, well, we don't understand this. And he says, because it's not time for them to understand it yet. Jesus would go around and he'd say, he'd heal somebody and he'd say, "Now don't go tell anybody because it wasn't time for him to be revealed as the son of God, okay? So sometimes it's just, it, it's something that needs to happen in us so the, the Lord does it. And then sometimes, like Juanita was saying, sometimes we finally got our spirit in the right place that we can receive from the Holy Spirit what we're reading. The bio, the, the scripture tells us that the the word of God is alive, whether it's on your phone, doesn't matter if you got an iPhone, a Samsung, a, you know, whatever. If it's on your phone, if it's on the computer, if it's on a piece of paper like we're reading here, if it's in a book called a Bible, right, it is alive. It is living and it is active and it is sharper than any two-edged sword, That so much so that it can go down to even the marrow which is like right in the middle of the bone, right? It's down, that's that's the word of God. And so when you read it, whether you like it or not, you're reading something that's alive. Now you may not, I think I said this last week, sometimes you'll go down and, you, and, and somebody's talking to you and a scripture comes to mind. And you're like, I never memorized that scripture. How did I know that scripture? I'm horrible about it sometimes. I'm like, oh, the Bible says this right here. And I'm like, I have no idea where that's found, but I know it's there. If you'll go Google it, you'll know that it'll show you it's there. I know it's there. The Holy Spirit does that for us because it's alive. It doesn't matter if we're saved or we're not saved. At the time he wants to bring it back to us, he can bring it back to us just like that. Whether we've heard it or we've read it. Sometimes That again? I mean,
4: it, the the word of God when 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 you accepted uh, God in your heart and I mean, I said God, I'm trying to speak, right? Christ and the Holy Spirit. The the word of God is being seen in your heart, mm-hmm. so it can bring words that probably you are never read. I mean, I can tell you for granted it happened to me more than once. I was watching a movie, but I, my, my kind of my spirit was open. I was I was calm. I was open. And I heard I hear the, the the quote when I was watching the movie, and the, the movie kind of makes sense. And then I realized later that it was it was actually scripture on the Bible. Like I don't think I ever read this before. So I believe the Holy Spirit can bring you words every time you are open to listen. And I mean, of course, if you are. Consciously taking the time and praying for revelation. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, of course, you, it's kind of granted, right? Yeah. But uh, as long as you're keeping your spiritual ears open, uh, he will speak to you. And under any circumstance in life. That's so right. That's what I think.
2: Yeah. You know, and, and w- we want to pray for revelation. We want Revelation. He talked about how there were pastors back in the 1800s, and even in the early 1900s, and probably there's still some out there that, when it comes to segregation of races, right, of skin color, that they use the scripture to justify segregation. Or and I look, understand this: there are black pastors that justify segregation; there are white pastors who justify segregation. I'm sure there's Hispanic pastors because what we talked about it's the prejudice that we have instead of holy spirit give me revelation and one of the people one of the really cool stories i was telling somebody the other day there was a revival in 1904 i think it was there's a revival that went to azusa street in in uh, california and the revival started with a minister who began to preach, and the Holy Spirit began to move. What a lot of people don't know is that this preacher went to a school in Kansas, and he wanted to learn more about the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he sat in the hallway listening to the class, listening to the pastor who was doing the teaching. In the hallway, but why was he sitting in the hallway? Why was William Seymour sitting in the hallway while Charles Perrin was teaching the class? Because William Seymour's color was not white; it was black. William Seymour goes down through Texas and ends up in California, and this revival starts. Now, William Seymour and and the pastor at that call at that at that Bible Bible college they were friends. They talked to each other and everything. But when Charles Parham comes down, the white minister, when he comes down to the Azusa Street Revival and he saw blacks and whites worshiping worshiping together, he's like, this is not godly. You can't do that. And so he tried to break the revival up because, because of his prejudice. Because of what he had been brought up under and what he had been taught, instead of going, wait, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit is moving, and thousands of people are coming to Christ. People would break out in a, in a song, and they had a song that nobody had ever sung, that had never been written, and everybody would know the words to it. They would just sing together. The the news media came down and were, was interviewing people and taking pictures and stuff, and these people were getting saved. And this revival grew and grew and grew. It was an amazing revival but the prejudices of this one minister, and he was able to pull some people, but he didn't get to pull the majority of them away. So, even when the Holy Spirit is moving, and the Holy Spirit used Charles Parham, a white minister, to let William Seymour learn about the Holy Spirit, but even in that, even in that, there was things that were wrong because they weren't willing to, because Charles Parham wasn't willing to say, wait a minute, I see God moving. Maybe I need to take a look and see if I understand what I'm reading and ask the Holy Spirit to give me revelation. So you want God to give you revelation. I will say this. The Lord will never give you a revelation that goes against what he wants, against his holiness and his righteousness. All right? The Lord is not going to tell you it's okay to go lie to people because he said, I don't want you lying. Right, we go through all of the Ten Commandments. He's not going to tell you to do something that's against His holiness. All right, something to think about as you're reading. All right, so let's let's do First Corinthians. So where we're at? Did we read Second Corinthians yet? Yeah, First Corinthians two one through five. Yeah, that's where we're at. Okay, um, who's got that, Elise? Abigail, go ahead Abigail.
3: When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I did I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided what that while I was with you, I w- would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive te- speeches, I replied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God.
2: Okay, so Paul is speaking here, and Paul was a well-educated Jew. He had set and been educated under some of the most prominent Jewish teachers. But notice what he says here. My message and my preaching were very plain rather than using clever and pervasive, persuasive speeches. I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that you can go to church today, but if the pastor of that church, the minister that's preaching, does not rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, it may just be empty. The words that they speak may just be empty and not do anything. It may not move the needle anywhere. You know, it's like... You can can fill your gas tank up, but if you don't fill it up with with gasoline and you fill it up with water, it ain't going to run, right? And so he says, hey, we don't need to just be focused on, oh, I went to college and I learned this and that and the other. You know, I hear so many people, you know, the pastor knows everything. And so I just, I'll bring him to church and the pastor can minister. No, you can minister if you have the Holy Spirit. If If you're a Christian, the Spirit is living inside of you, so you say, Spirit of God. Give me wisdom on what to say to this person. You'll be amazed at what you'll say to that person. And he says, I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom. I don't want you to look at me and go, oh, Paul, look at all. You're so smart. You're so educated under the greatest. He says, I want you not to look at the human wisdom in this, but the power of God in it. I don't. I want to become less so that Jesus can become more. I want to exalt his name. Jesus said, Jesus didn't say if you lift yourself up and you build a big church and you have this and that and the other and you can preach a great message then people will come to church and people will come to salvation. No, he says if my name be lifted up, I will draw men to me. It's not up to us to draw men to him. It's not us to get people up to us to get people saved. It's up to us to lift his name up. All right. Let's go let's move on to this next scripture there, Sherelle.
3: Yet when I am among mature believers I do speak with words of wisdom but not the king of wisdom that belongs to this world or the rules that belong to this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak is a mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden even through he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rules of this world have to not understood it, if they had they will not have crucified our glorious Lord. This is what the scripture means when they say, No, I have seen no ear heard or on the mind has imagined that God was prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that the God revealed these things by the Spirit, for his Spirit searches out everything, and whose God deep secrets?
2: Okay, so going in reverse, going to that last last scripture, he says it's the Spirit. God revealed these things by His Spirit, not by the wisdom of man. I think we can look at the wisdom of man today, as opposed to the wisdom of God. If we go back and forth, we'll go. Well, no wonder there's so much murder and mayhem and so many other things negative. Things going on in this world, because we're because they're going off the wisdom of men. Oh, if we just make sure people have money, if we make sure people just have food on the table, they'll be nice to each other. Really? No, that's not what the scripture says. It's not what we have that makes us what we are. Uh, what we have in this world, in 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 our wisdom, it's what He has given us, and understanding that about about what. God and the uh, the Holy Spirit has done for us. is So we want to search out the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of man, okay? The wisdom of man says, oh, no, you shouldn't give an extra $100 in the offering this week. And the Lord is speaking to you saying, no, I want you to give $100. And you don't listen to him, and you go, whoa, this happened to me or that happened to me but you do listen to him, you give that extra $100, and the Lord says, oh, look here, I took care of it right here. You know, the wisdom of man says, you know, all you need is a psychologist, a good psychologist. You don't have to worry about the scriptures. Wisdom of God says, hey, you may need somebody to counsel with you, but you need the scriptures to help you through this. And we could go on all night. I mean, I could ask you a question and say, okay, tell me some wisdom of men and let's talk about the wisdom of God and let's look at the contrast of it. And we'd spend all night doing it. But that's something, think about it. Think through that as you're driving to work in the morning, if you're awake. Uh, Think about it as you're driving to work, if you're not like, you know, sleeping while you're trying to drive. All right, next uh, set of scriptures, 11 through 13. Who's got that? All right, go buddy. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. So, isn't this really interesting? What does what does the woman always say? You should know what I'm thinking. And they're right, and they're right, guys. Oh, you should know what I'm thinking. You you know what I meant. You 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 know you and you're like no I, I don't I don't know what you meant because you didn't tell me that you know you assumed I knew. Uh, Christy and I have this discussion all of our married life, and I'm like, I, I didn't know what you were talking about. And so Paul here he makes such a great observation. He says, "No one can know a person's thought except the person's own spirit." Right? You two, you can talk, but you don't know unless you tell each other what it is. Right? Spouses, friends, whatever else, and we could go into a whole different subject here and talk about we should never uh, judge people on what we think they're thinking. You know, <laughs> we need to judge people on what they say. Right? Uh, sadly enough, we we do that a lot of times, but. When we receive God's Spirit, we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. You get that? When we receive His Spirit, we can know what He's freely given us. See, I would say, Holy Spirit, with these, here's my text message, here's a text message, Holy Spirit, why does everybody not understand how much Jesus loved them and that they're going to die and go to hell? Why is it that a young man in my house, about twelve years old, said, "Oh, I want to go to hell. It's just going to be a big party down there." Mm-hmm. That's what he said, and I'm like, "No, it's not. Who told you that? It's not going to be a. It's not going to be a place for for you, Sorrell, You said you're going to go party down there too. Is that what you're saying? No, oh, like you've had I'm somebody good. at school say that to you before. Yeah. So that's not the spirit. That's not the spirit of God telling them that, right? That's not the Spirit of God. So we want the Spirit of God. I said a minute ago, we can minister to people because he ministers to us. All right, next scripture, 14 through 16 of First Corinthians 2.
5: But people who are spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It, is all, it all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. But only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by, by others. For who can, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? but we understand these these things for we have mind of, we have the mind of Christ.
2: Okay, notice something he said here. He said, people who aren't spiritual can't receive. He says, Those who are spiritual can evaluate. Notice he did not say, but people who are religious. Those who are religious can evaluate all things. He didn't say that. He said spiritual. Being religious and being spiritual is two total different things. Or educated. Have you ever run into somebody and and they say, well, I'm a religious person. I believe in God. Well, you know, the devil believes in God. Does that make him a religious person too, right? (laughs) You know, the devil believes in God too. What does that matter? People walk into church on Sunday mornings and they walk out the, the same as they came in, the same problems, the same mindset as when they walked in. Why? Because it's a religious function that they're a part of, not a spiritual function that they're a part of. That doesn't mean that you know, one church, ha- that every church has got to act the same spiritually. It just means that when you walk in, I've, I know people that have grown up Lutheran that love the Lord. I know people who grown up Methodist that love the Lord, Assemblies of God, Baptist, you know, Presbyterian, you name it. Why? Because they're not religious about it. They're spiritual about it because they understand that our God is a spiritual God and we serve him in what? Spirit and in truth. That's the way we serve Serve our God is in spirit and in truth. So as we, as we finish up today, what I want to challenge you with, number one on, on the back, there are four chapters that I have listed on the back there. This week, you got, or is it five? I'm sorry, five. I heard you say that. Five chapters. I would encourage you this week, each day, take one of these chapters and read it. Before you read it, ask the Holy Spirit, reveal to me something in this scripture. Even if you're like, Isaiah, who reads Isaiah? <laughs> you know, so say, Holy Spirit, I didn't throw any Leviticus in there, okay, so you're okay. Okay. A lot of people, let me tell you something, a lot of people, they get started in something in the Bible and they get they, they they stop, but it's because they feel like they have to do it. But when you go to read the Bible, whether you're reading a chapter or three chapters a day or two verses a day, when you go to read it, if you have a devotional book and you're using that right now, you have to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, speak to me as I'm doing this, and help me to understand this, what, whatever I'm reading, help me to understand this. So this week I challenge you to, to read that, but I also challenge you, like I said, I challenge you to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. As I read your word, open it up. Let it blossom. let it, You know, you don't go look at a rose bush that has no roses on it and go, oh that's pretty, and stare at it. No, 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 no. You go to a rose bush that has beautiful red roses on it. There you go, mm. no roses, petals, whatever, what, what, whatever the what, the flower part of it. What do you call that? I just, but whatever. Too technical. But you go and you go and you go and smell, right? You go smell it. That's what you're you, you want to smell it and you want to look at the beautifulness of it. You don't go to look at the rose bush that it doesn't have on it and go, oh, look at all these great thorns. Let me grab a hold of it and rake my hand up and down it, you know? No, you don't wanna do that. All right. So when when you look at the scriptures, sometimes I think that's what happens to us as we look at it and go, Oh my goodness, I don't understand this. This is just like looking at a rose bush with no petals on it. Oh okay. I'm sorry. Sometimes I get ahead. My mind my mouth gets ahead of what's in my mind <laughs> and I don't say it all. But when you do that with the script, the scripture sometimes it feels the same way. It feels like, man, I'm just it's, just it's just the thorns of this bush. I don't see the beauty of the rest of it. And so this week say, God, show me the beauty of what I'm reading. Let it come alive to me because it is it's alive. Now let it come alive to me and just see what God God does. Even if it's just these five five chapters here that you look at and say what can I learn from it and you'll never realize sometimes you get to read and all of a sudden you're like I just read six chapters in the Bible I didn't know what was going on why because you start eating and consuming it's kind of like when you go to Texas Roadhouse and you get their their rolls and you're like uh, can you bring some more rolls can you bring some more rolls wait a minute I just ate 20 rolls what's going on man I'm, I'm messed up man <laughs> chips and salsa yeah chips and salsa Well, all we need to do, right, we just need to say, God, Holy Spirit, open it up, reveal it to us, and make it it understandable and plain to us. All right, we're going to go ahead and close out this evening, and Sax, why don't you grab a microphone and pray.
4: Thank you, Lord, for this uh, word you have brought to our hearts. Uh, We thank you, Lord. We honor you. Please, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts all the time. Every single step in our life, every way, every direction, every decision, speak to our hearts. When we are taking the time to read the Holy Scripture, Speak to our hearts. Show us what you have for us. Show us what you want us to do. We thank you, Lord, for this evening. We bless you in the name of Jesus Christ.